We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg, a savage Ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. a whole burst to it. 20. Right steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still on his feet. 46 yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones needs the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo. I'm on the loan today as we're getting ready for the big game tonight between the Rams and the Patriots. And I'm sorry. I am sorry that we were not able to get a bigger preview podcast out there. The, the short week kind of messed us up a little bit. But we're still delivering. We are still delivering. And we're delivering with Matt Chatham. The Patriots guy from Nesson. He has been 
Uh, he's been around for a while. Covers college football for ESPN at the uh, division, well, the FCS level. And he's also written for The Athletic. So he's been around the block a little bit. Former Ram, former Patriot, knows Tom Brady pretty well in terms of his game and also obviously knows the Patriots very well. And I got to tell you, I love having him on. He always brings a player perspective as well as the professional perspective in the same wrapping. And it's just good talking, some some shop, getting down in there and breaking it down. He's always a good conversation to have. But before we get with him, I do want to ask you to head over to Apple Music, leave a five-star review if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it if you did. And also, if you have some feedback for the show, please send to ramstop1945 at gmail.com. We haven't heard from anybody in a while because everybody's so busy. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear about some of the things you've heard in the show. We'd love to hear about where you agree, disagree. It's all good. Great conversation. Let us know how you're feeling about right now about the Rams or after the game tonight. Let us know, okay? All right, so let's get into it. Here is Matt Chatham from Nesson talking Rams Patriots. Let's go. All right, folks, we're with Matt Chatham, former Ram, former Patriot, analyst for, for Nesson. For covering the NFL and the Patriots. He's, you've been on our show a couple times. We like having you on. You always bring good perspective. We just talked a couple weeks ago about Tom Brady and the end of that game. And here we are again. A different setup. A Thursday night game with the Patriots who are 6-6. Are six and six. And i got to be honest, man. I had them left for dead later in the year. I mean, kind of silly. I mean, this is Bill Belichick we're talking about. But they're playing well. 45 nothing win out there in L.A. Back in the same same for Thursday night. How are you evaluating this Patriots team at this point? Just, just sort of based on where they're at today, uh, because there are certainly moments in time throughout the course of the season where they had some massive roster holes. And I think that uh, they, they probably were hurt and didn't respond to well, but hurt as bad as any team in the league with the COVID stuff. I mean, they had the highest number of opt-outs, which is no excuse. That happens prior to the season. But then uh, in season, they had that first, they were the first one to lose a starting quarterback. So, you know, that happened right prior to the travel uh, to Kansas City. They lose uh, Cam Newton, um, and then they come back and play the next week against the Broncos, uh, only getting to step on field one day for a walkout um, or for, for a walkthrough. So it was a very bad one-two punch, and they reeled from it. They came back from that, that, that sort of spiral and put up an absolute stinker against the Niners, and then all of a sudden what started as a pretty promising season didn't look that way anymore. But since that time, they've won four or five, and I think part of it is just you know, a little bomb went off in the middle of their season, and uh, they had to come out the other side and go, wait a minute, we still have the same roster. This is still a very strong roster. Uh, there's plenty of ability here. Maybe we're not Super Bowl contenders, but if we just go week to week, I think we can still get something done. So they're, they're just scrapping. And um, I mentioned sort of the roster holes. Uh, there was a chunk of the season where, you know, they had almost no defensive tackles. Uh, they, they had banked heavily on a guy that, Came over from Tampa in free agency named Bo Allen. Um, would, would have been there at 330. You know, big heavy on the inside kind of mm-hmm. guy. They let, Dan, they let Danny Shelton go in the offseason free agency. He, he had been that kind of guy, which allows him to play 3-4, which has allowed you to have a big dude over the nose, those kinds of things. Uh, but Bo's never stepped on the field for them this season. So they spent a lot of the year trying to use their bigger ends as maybe inside guys. <laughs> it's been sort of a, a work in progress. They found this dude, Carl Davis, uh, who came to them off waivers, a former third-round pick of the Ravens, um, had had some concussion issues. So he steps in, plays really well for them during that stretch when they started to turn things around and get some wins. And it was like, wow, they got they got a nose again. So they're not getting ran through nearly as much. Uh, but Carl, unfortunately, went back to IR um, with an, an additional head thing. So 
again, another pivot. This is sort of the Patriots season. Uh, they, they find Akeem Spence, who's another guy with, you know, I don't know, whatever it is, 50 starts under his belt in the NFL. He's played a lot of ball, and he's another big. So, again, that kind of helps steady things. But you kind of hold your breath as, as an analyst or a fan around this, this particular market because it's sort of overcome one hurdle, here comes the next thing. And, yeah, I think in a normal year everyone deals with this. The Patriots have just had an unusually chaotic one, I guess. So with all the chaos, evaluate them now, though. I mean, they've come back. They've, like you said, they've won four out of five. The, that 45 nothing victory in in Los Angeles, uh, it's kind of hard for me to evaluate because we know the Chargers are horrible, and they're getting worse. They're not well coached. The Patriots almost always are. How do you evaluate where they are right now? I would simply say... The thing that's a bit of an outlier with the Chargers is the Chargers are sort of, I mean, you'll know this as much as any in that market, but the Chargers had been a, a bad team relative to winning games. They just were terrible, right? I mean, the situational stuff is part of it. I know that's sort of been beaten to death, but mm-hmm. they were like a one-score loser like in like half a dozen of these things. So it's one of those like, wow, the roster looks like, you know, there's you know, 15, 20 names I know kind of thing here. It looks like a relatively deep and strong roster, but they do, and they have this quarterback that's, you know, up and doing things well and all that. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they basically one score lose to everyone. So I, all I would say of how that relates to the Patriots is as, as much as the Chargers are on the wrong side of games throughout the course of the season, nobody's beaten 45 to nothing. No one's put mm-hmm. it on them like that. They, they don't have anything here in their record that looks anything like that against several teams that will be playoff teams, like the Bucks, like the Saints, like, you know, go down the line, Raiders, um, Dolphins, the Bills. All these teams played them and played them close, and the, and the Chargers already lose. One team that just absolutely annihilated them is the Pats, and that that's what makes it difficult to sort of put a finger on where the, the Patriots are right now. I mean, when we're talking about a 6-6 six and six team, I mean, the record kind of tells you what it is. It's an inconsistent team. It's a team that's often really good and then often not good at all. Uh, and that's really been the issue. Sometimes the Patriots have had, had problems playing down to competition. It's in division, but they had that down-to-the-wire game with the Jets, and uh, we, you know, we all know how, how poor they've been throughout the season in most games. Um, but then they come back to beat a really good Cardinals team, which, you know, the Rams just did as well. Um, they, they, they beat up on the Chargers. They, you know, they've, they've really played well against good teams and, and sort of played down and really put stinkers out against bad ones. Even that loss to the Niners. I know the Niners are a competitive team, uh, but the Niners specifically, you know, were, it, it was a, a weird week for them where they had, uh, you know, they've been, you know, annihilated here with injuries themselves throughout the season, but they had a bunch of guys down in that game. So it wasn't just losing to San Francisco. It was losing them at a moment where a bunch of guys were hurt. And uh, it just should have been more of a cakewalk situation, and they got blown through. So all, all it simply says to me with the Patriots is is they're inconsistent. Um, but now going through a tough win against the Cardinals and then just destroying the Chargers, it's the first sign of a sort of string-it-together kind of deal. They come out here from this market's point of view and, you know, laying egg against the Rams, and never mind, we're back to the script of up, down, up, down, up, down. Uh, but this is sort of the moment I think people around here are a little more hopeful that the roster has settled a little bit. They've sort of figured out the best identity, on all, you know, in all three phases, and they're starting to look like a good team. Does that make, mean they make the playoffs? We don't know that because the holder in's awful deep, but uh, I think they're a tough out right now. We can, we can say that much. So in this match with the Rams, Rams coming in off that win, uh, they're they're eight and four. They to me are a team that is. I'm still trying to figure out who they are. Like they don't commit to the run one week. Next week they'll throw something out there. The defense shows up, but it's, bails up the offense. The offense 
does interesting things but can't get deep. There's just so many different tangibles that comes with the Rams. It really seems like it's a matchup thing for them. The 49ers games, for example, they don't match up well with the 49ers. They haven't for the last two years, and it shows in those games. How do you see this matchup between these two teams? Yeah, actually, it's it's funny that you mentioned those Niners games because those are those are actually the two I'm studying, the home and away, uh, in part because they're you know they I think their preference is to run it first, uh, but they they do that. But you know, most it's been out of the lineup. You're, I'm, I'm telling you things about the Niners you already know, but basically they're a team that I think their preference is to be creative, to to work well with space, to run, 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 but just in game plan um, specific kinds of ways. And then kill you off play action, have your handful of Debo Samuel plays, things like that. But it, it is a very scheme run heavy first kind of approach. Obviously, Mullins isn't going to be the same as uh, as Cam. It's a different personality back there. But they still are running plays that are somewhat comparable to one another. Um, so I don't know. I was just trying to the, the, the Rams schedule doesn't have a lot where it's like, oh, there's their team that's like New England. That's typically the Titans. Uh, you know, there's there's somewhere it's a more of a when I'm looking for somebody to watch on film, I find, hey, here's how they handled mm-hmm. Tannehill, and here's how they handled a run-first group in, in, in uh, Tennessee. That doesn't necessarily exist here. But what I, all I would say is in this particular matchup, the, the Patriots want to run the football first. So I, I know there's there's sort of two two crowds, I guess, that, that, that track this team, and one is from the, the sort of draft and, uh, draft angle and fantasy football angle and you know, all those kinds of things relative to their offense. And if you watch this team through that prism, you'll always be disappointed, right? There's there's not going to be a lot of stat compilation. You're, you're certainly not going to look at one particular player the Pats have and want to compare him around the league to other people. Um, but it, they're more of just a, a cumulative, clock-sucking kind of offense. They're going to come in. There's been games where they've been over two-thirds, one-thirds in time of possession. That's how they kill you. That's how they beat the Ravens. Uh, so they beat you know several of these teams, but they just they don't give it back to you. Now, granted, they don't score a ton of points. I mean, the Patriots are we could probably place a bet other than you know last week's oddball thing with with the Chargers, where you have two special teams scored. But in most weeks, the Patriots are going to be right there somewhere in the low twenties, maybe the mid or high twenties if they're in a really good week. Uh, but that's just kind of who they are. I think they've really sort of settled into that kind of world. So you know, the biggest thing is, are you going to be able to hang around your your norm? And in the example of the Cardinals, I think we were looking at uh, something like third in scoring in the league at the time, high 20s, 28, almost 29 points a game. And they hold them something like 12 below their average. And then they plot along offensively right at that level they're normally mm-hmm. at, and they pick up a, a special a special team skill flip. So that's kind of who you're dealing with. You're dealing with a team that they're probably going to score somewhere in the 20. And if defense plays their norm, you could be in trouble because they have a really good def- defense. But then there's the Houston game more recently where the Patriots came out and just looked nothing like themselves. They uh, they they tried an unusual sort of scheme approach with Deshaun Watson where they just let him stay back there and throw. They rushed three, sometimes just four late. Uh, they didn't reroute at all, let the uh, all the receivers build and build and build, and uh, Watson absolutely torched them. Then they said, "Okay, screw that." And I haven't seen that game, you know, that sort of approach since. And they've been really good. So. That would be the thing I would be most looking at from this market view back at back at the Rams. If if they were to say, you know what, we don't have a, a tremendous amount of, of fear or uh, respect sounds like the wrong word, but you know, we're not concerned with Jared Goff allowing him to get thirty five attempts or something like that. If they were to go that approach, you can do it, but you really need to beat up receivers and tight ends because we know it's a it's a pretty deep group there in LA. So 
you know, I think that's the way it goes. They're, they're not going to be overly committal to run game, although the Rams are good, not great, as I think we've remembered them in the past on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's kind of more, okay, let, Goff can do his thing, but uh, the last thing we want is Woods and Cup and Reynolds and all these guys just building us on the secondary and then him having choices and levels and things like that. Um, so, I don't know, it's, it'll be an interesting game to go into because, and I, I say this every week when we do these breakdowns with other markets, I see very clearly where the Patriots could beat the Rams convincingly, and I also see very clearly where the Rams could kick the pass ass. <laughs> so it's not a lot of help, but that, that makes any sense. <laughs> well, I mean, to me, with the when it comes down to the Rams right now, they like to control the football, too. They When they can hold the ball for 35, 40 minutes in a game, it's a virtual lock they're going to win. That was the case right. last week with with. The Cardinals was 38-20, but you ne- after that first quarter, you never really felt like the game was ever really in danger, even right. with giving up 28 points. They just they controlled the game. The Patriots do that all the time. When the, when the Patriots are on, they control. Bill Belichick knows how to control a game. I think back to that Super Bowl game, one we previewed, and you you basically told you know told me in that preview that you know keep Brady clean if it, it's going Patriots win this game. Uh, my attitude was the Rams are going to score points. They scored three. <laughs> the Patriots came up with the plan. Actually, I thought Matt Patricia did. And the Patriots perfected it. Those problems are still there for the Rams. So how does that defense, it's individually as your players, your, your front seven specifically, how do they match up to be able to put pressure on Jared Goff, shut down the run? Because those are the two things they got to do they do that, it's game over. Yeah, one of the things, uh, Derek, I'll, I'll you know for the for your for your LA audience that uh, you know may not be as keen into this name as anyone would normally be, to Aaron Donald, and Aaron is he's a class above everyone out there. Out there, it's, it, it's, it may seem a little offensive to even go down this road, but Adam Butler is a name uh, that was SEC Defensive Player of the Year, I believe, when he was at Vandy senior year, but it was an undrafted guy, so not a great testing guy, not at a great school but sort of known for just this guy played a lot of snaps and super disruptive, and we kind of don't know what to make of him. And Adam Butler has been their, air quote, Aaron Donald in the middle of their defense. A little bit different build type. I know Aaron's more of like a 280-ish kind of uh, tackle uh, that's just so friggin' disruptive. Adam is like a 300, but he's not like the – he's a quick and fast 300. You know, he's not the 320 guy. He's not the 300 that anchors. He's the 300 that gets gaps. He's the 300 that chases down things. He absolutely tormented Tyler Murray. Um, you know, was, I watched a few games, obviously, leading into that one, and I really hadn't seen much lap pressure as much as Adam alone had gotten. It was a couple sacks, a few tackles for loss, several disruptions. He was just he lived in the backfield. And he is really, if you're looking at the Patriots' defense, when I was sort of hearkening back to those other games or early in the season where they had a real struggle with their front with their fronts because they, they were so thin. They were using Lawrence Guy, who was really a good big defensive end. They were trying to play him at nose. They uh, they you know they're playing a guy named Byron Cowart who was drafted a year ago from Maryland. He's really again more of an end. They're trying to play him at tackle. They were just cycling guys in and out, trying to find a guy who was three hundred pounds who could maybe come and play over you know, or over center. But they settled now into Adam back, and Adam is is an absolute monster for them. Um, and you can see it in last week's game against the Chargers as well, if he's there and healthy. But again, that's sort of back to the Patriots' uh, story of the season. 
that if if Adams there healthy wire to wire, holy cow, much different feel. Same with Lawrence. Lawrence Guy's been banged up. I think at one point during the season, Lawrence Guy had like four different injury designations. It was kind of like a local joke. He's Jeez, just he's still continuing to play with these things, and he's got you know braces here and all this kind of stuff, but he still goes out. But they were banged up. So all I simply bring up those points to say Adam Butler, you know, is not the name, is not the player, because it's just a little bit dis, you know disrespectful to even put anyone near Aaron Donald's class. But he can do something to an offense much like Aaron does, where you really have a concern about, okay, I'm going to hit my, my, my fifth step here in the drop, and a second and a half later there's going to be somebody in my face. And, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm basically back foot hits on the five or seven foot drop, and I kind of know I'm already sliding and resetting. That's Adam. So he's somebody that to kind of learn and keep an eye on because he, he runs down any kind of uh, you know backside run plays where you leave the three technique away from you or if he's playing one. And kind of a lot like Aaron does where, you know, hey, you know, we'll just run away from him. Well, that's some of the times where he makes most of his plays, a lot of his plays, like Grant. So Aaron, or excuse me, Adam Butler can really screw up your better laid plans of running the football against the pass. He changes things for them. We'll see who they have in as an actual true nose, but a healthy Adam Butler really makes things look a lot different. The other thing is the tight ends, and I think that's, or excuse me, the the, the linebackers for the Patriots. And I think that's a very Ram specific thing because both Higby and uh, Lincoln on the other name, uh, excuse me, the other Everett. tight end for the Rams, Jordan Everett. Everett, yes. So, yeah, exactly. She, you know, they're a team that'll run a good amount as well. They're they're a team that'll target either those tight ends a good amount, and the Patriots box configuration. You know, some not that are the off the balls are often safe. There's this guy, Adrian Phillips, who you may have known from his Chargers days. Adrian has been essentially a linebacker for them, has been absolutely amazing. What he's been able to pull off at like a 220 pound body type, and he's down there in the box wearing a 21 number and basically playing wheel linebacker for them. Things have changed here in the last couple of weeks. They had this guy, Therese Hall, young player, had been on the practice squad for quite a bit. They finally elevated him, and Therese was able to play Mike in a week where um, Juwan Bentley uh, was down. Juwan Bentley is their normal Mike linebacker, but Juwan is a much thicker 260 hammerhead, mm -hmm. but not much of a chase guy, not much of a coverage guy. If you're going to get in a situation where, say, the Rams are you know heavily targeting their backs in the past, running a lot of screens, getting the ball to those tight ends quite a bit, um, it, it's, it's a situation where if you catch the right configuration, Therese is out there, dude can run, dude can cover, he's good to go. Juwan Bentley can come down and smash guards you can come down and, and plug up running game but if you catch any of those tight ends or backs isolated on him out in space or in chase that can be a super mismatch so because they're not terribly deep at all at linebacker like i said phillips is coming down and playing basically safety that's a will um you know it, it's a relatively thin area for them but the guys they have in there are really good it's just you, you miss series because a guy gets banged up or you catch the right matchup in there there are yards that can happen so that's that's probably one of the areas where my focus would would be if I was you know looking from Moran's point of view, um, you know can you create can you create some mismatches more you know in between the between the between the numbers as opposed to just which cornerback on which receiver and that kind of thing. So flip it around here, the Patriots offense against that Rams defense that that Rams defense has been interesting this year to say the least. How do they match up, especially in their front seven? Well, what they want to do uh, is uh, inconsistent. I've got to kind of go there again with this. And, you know, a lot of that is I, I think Josh McDaniels has one of the toughest gigs in, 
in uh, in in his particular his particular kind of job of the thirty two because he gets a quarterback who's well ingrained in what he's been able to do in the league. He's you know the whole story with Cam Newton. You know he's been an MVP with a few years ago. He's been injured, but he's known one system and done one system forever. But Josh has to bring him in here and bring him up to speed uh, without a camp. You know, actually without an off season, he just shows up to camp. He shows up to camp. It's a non-contact camp. There's no preseason games. So, you know, Cam kind of comes in with a little, almost as if he was a rookie. It's weird to say about a guy that accomplished and that skilled, but he basically enters the season with a couple, what do we got here kind of games. Like, you know, it's almost, it's all preseason-ish. You know, the first game is very low attempts, very little of the, the Cam-specific type stuff where there's a misdirection or read option element or something like that or pistol plays and all that kind of stuff. Little, very little of that early on. Uh, they get in a big trailing game against Seattle, and he goes wild, basically in that gun spread, throw it a ton kind of thing. They haven't really been in that situation again. The COVID stuff hits for him. He's the one who I think gets hurt, hurt, hurt more than anyone because he essentially misses two weeks of the season. Um, and for a guy who had such a rough start, um, you know, unfortunately, just because of circumstance, to then have that little mini bomb go off in his, the first third of his season, he, he came back from it and he struggled. Uh, just I don't, know, I don't really know how else to say it. You know, Cam was really week to week getting a little better, but so inconsistent uh, to the to the notion of you know that you want to keep the the pass attempts in that fifteen to twenty range. He's just he's he's not the quick timing passing stuff. Um, he's not as adept at that, which is generally such a big part of this. So all I'll say is sort of big picture for the offense is it sort of morphed into one where um, you're going to see less and less that require him to do those things. Um, and if he gets under center and they're in pro of some sort, you know, whether it be slot or pro, but they've got two tight, you know, two backs in the back, mm-hmm. full back in the game, single tight end in the game, they're going to be, uh, they're absolutely most dangerous and most efficient just playing some formations that we all saw in, you know, like the, the 90s and 2000s. And Cam's actually pretty good at that. Now, back to sort of my other, you know, earlier point from the when we first started the pod, you're not going to see 300 yards passing, but you still might see 40 points. <laughs> and that's just a weird thing to process. They can run it for high hundreds. They can get over 200. They had a couple games this year where they've had cumulatively over 200 yards, and Cam might be 40 or 50 of those. Um, but the one thing that is a little different with Cam and say if you're preparing for Lamar Jackson or you're preparing for for a Kyler Murray or something like that, he's not as quick a foot. And we're not talking about someone who's so elusive in space that you just, you know, you're going to bring safeties that are down to be able to run with him. He's just more of a train. You know, he's just more of a, a straight runner, get downhill, start to build, leg it out. He's fast as hell. But you're not going to see a bunch of game plan runs for Cam unless we start talking about low red area and, and uh, short yardage and things like that. So the offense is a pretty simple one. Uh, but it's uh, it's one where, from a Rams perspective, you would be thrilled if you can force them into a thirty or forty pass attempt kind of game because those are typically the ones where they're they're trailing and you know, not where they want to be. And see, that's the problem. The Rams rarely ever start off fast. They usually make the halftime adjustments and they start pulling away in the second half if they're going to pull away. <laughs> so that would be a concern because I mean, it, to me, it's a bet, it's a battle between two teams that want to control the clock. That it's a, it's their bread and butter control clock. So, you know the, the battleatrician there in the end will be whoever wins that battle. I think wins this game. And on short notice, 
one last question before we go. How does the fact that they're coming in off a, a weekend, just four games, four days, this late in the season, how does it affect yeah. players? Uh, you know, here's the, here's the stress. So say if you're the Patriots uh, and you're playing, I'll keep it away from the Rams because I think they're a little bit different. But if, if you're the Patriots and you're playing the Ravens on four days, the Ravens have a massive advantage because teams that are different, you just simply need more time. You need reps. You need three full days. You know, just show me, show me 200 reps, you know, of whatever scheme run I'm going to see over and over again, whatever scheme, you know, preference past concepts are going to show, show me those over and over and over again. And I'll be good to go by Sunday. When you take a team like the Ravens or I think the Niners a little bit that way too, because the, the specialized runs that they do and the misdirection and those are the kind of things that with repetition, you nail uh, when you've seen them for the first time live in the game, you might blow it two or three times, and by then you're behind. Um, I think the Patriots on short notice can be a little bit that way to other NFL teams because, you know, how many times are the Rams, which have, you know, Brockers is a big heavy, but most of their guys are pretty small and fast. The linebacker group's pretty small and fast. Darnold is as amazing as he is. He's not, you know, uh, Donald, excuse me, Donald isn't, he's not a 300 pound defensive tackle. So, you know, they're maybe not going to be as used to just taking on doubles that aren't, you know, not pullers and things like that. It's just a fullback. It's lead. <laughs> it's, it's power sometimes, but it's basically just here. There's Michael Winnu. There's a 330-pound guard that's just been a road grader for them paired with Shaq Mason. And uh, these two guys are going to double whoever you've got in front of them, and they're going to push them five yards into the linebacker level. And uh, are you going to have to massively change what you do uh, to approach a team like that? And there, gosh, how many teams out there are running that stuff? Not a lot, but big six-six quarterback under center, well, you know, two hundred and sixty-pound uh, fullback behind him, a willingness to just run leads open and, and powers and just basic old uh, you know '90s football stuff. Sometimes I think with with a short week, if you're facing the pass like the Rams are. And they're not having full pad of practices to prepare for it. You don't get to work on the nine on seven stuff, and you can be holy crap. We're two series in, and they're just doubling and moving guys like this is some sort of '80s Nebraska kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that could be a little bit shocking, but you know you have to have the personnel to be able to adjust and, and deal with it. If you're not if you're not really good, sort of inside the tackles, and those linebackers are small and fast and go sideline to sideline so well, like like the Rams do. Yeah, how well do they handle stepping up and hitting a three hundred thirty pound guard? That that's really going to be the, the challenge. It's a style of game they generally don't see. Um, most teams don't, and now they have to do it after basically just a few walkthroughs to prepare for it. Gotcha. Okay, so I know you mentioned earlier you felt this can go either way, but is do you have a feeling as to who you think is going to take this? Uh, I, I mean. I'll probably, for my local market, go ahead and choose the pass, and I, I feel like we're sort of in the coin flip range. I think the one thing that gave me a little uh, local hope, I guess you would call it, is the. I, I think there's been a style that they've struggled with, and I don't think the Rams do that. I think the Rams, to them, are closer to uh, beat the beat the beat the uh, call as opposed to beat the player. Uh, it's kind of something we joke around about around here, but. Just the idea that there's a scheme that you have to overcome, uh, but there's not any sort of overwhelming presence, at least offensively, that, that is bothersome. And I think sometimes in those situations, because they're so deep in their secondary, from Gilmore 
the J.C. Jackson and Jonathan Jones and the, both McCourty's, and it's just a really deep crew. Um, I, I tend to think this actually matches up okay for the Pats. In saying all that, you know, it, 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 this is coin flip kind of territory. I, I would feel after as hot as they played last week and then as well as they played beating uh, the Cardinals and kind of how you said it in the game where they, you know, it got closer towards the end, but they, it was never really in doubt. The Patriots really controlled that throughout. I think that was two back-to-back games that make you go, huh, if this were Patriots-Chiefs this week, I won't think I'd go that far. If this was Patriots-Packers this week, I don't think I'd go that far. Saints, but I kind of put the Rams in that next tier where the Patriots could beat them. They play ten times, they might win five. Um, what happens this Thursday? I'm not so sure, but I don't. I think after what I've seen out of Bill and the crew the last two weeks, I, I would feel kind of dumb picking against them. And for um, on my end, I'm I could kind of, to me, I'm a guy who who thinks about the benchmark teams, the teams that that set the standard. For the Rams, no matter how good the Rams, how how good the 49ers are, the 49ers are one of those teams. The Seahawks are one of those teams. Right. And the Patriots are. The Rams haven't beaten the Patriots since 2001. And then they lost them in the Super Bowl. It's been that long. So for the Rams to win this game, it's that's that's how I'm going to find out how good this team really is this year, to be honest with you. Because nobody knows. One week they play great, next week they stink it up. And a lot of it depends on Jared Goff. Will the Patriots get to Goff? Will they be able to shut down passing lanes? Because, but we all know that Sean McVay will go into those modes where he'll just take everybody out of the backfield and throw 20 times in a row. For no reason. No one knows why. Uh-huh. He just doesn't. So, it's a, it's a toss-up. I really don't know how to even approach it. I, I lean towards the Patriots because the Patriots, I mean, I don't, when I talk about scheming, I don't know anybody who schemes better than Bill Belichick. You know, so that's rumbling. Yeah. So, All right. well, we'll see. <laughs> well, Matt, as always, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you so, so much. Uh, you can find Matt's work on Nesson. Find him on. Don't forget him on Twitter. Good follow there as well. Don't. I'm serious. Don't forget Matt there. Okay, Matt, can you tell people where they can find all of your works? I know you've been doing work in different places as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm at Chatham twenty. Excuse me, at Chatham fifty eight on Twitter and uh, out here on the New England Sports Network. So we're we're an RSN. So I, I guess your cable packages could possibly have it out there in LA. I'll be it's funny. We'll get a phone call from relatives in Denver, or mm-hmm. people out in Arizona. They go, hey, you know, we get nothing. But no, I mean we're, we're regional, so you may not see me much out there. So that's that's where I live these days. Well, if you had Direct TV, you can get it for sure. I know I did. There you go. Yep. yep. All right, Matt. Okay. Thanks so much, and hopefully we we'll talk to you sometime in the Super Bowl. Again, we'll want a third shot at it. <laughs> there you go. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Take care, man. Take care. My attitude on the game is a bit different in terms of where we've been previously. Recently, I've been more focused on what the Rams do, what the Rams' issues are, where they're strong, where they're weak, where they match up, where they don't match up. For the ninth game, it's really all about scheming. It's all about Bill Belichick to me. And that's where I get nervous. I remember the Super Bowl game 13-3. I remember basically Bill Belichick out scheming Sean McVay. And there's nothing to be ashamed with about that at all. Bill Belichick's the best. We've seen it in years now. He's the best out there. But because he's so good, because he's, his teams are prepared, and, then, and even at 6-6, six and six, they're dangerous. They, they are very dangerous. They're, they're figuring things out. They've won 4-5. And they're not the same team that got hammered by the 49ers early in the year. 
They are a team, though, fighting for it all. The Rams are at eight and four. They're they're in pretty good position to go ten and six, eleven and five, make the playoffs. The stakes aren't as high as as they are for New England. And New England always seems to make that run late in the year. But really, to me, that's where it comes down to. It comes down to the matchups, yes, but it comes down to the scheming. And I'm, it's hard for me to bet against Bill Belichick even at six and six. It's hard for me to bet against him ever since he, he hasn't lost the Rams since 2001, 24-17 in New England. And of course, you know, the Super Bowl later on. So I, I don't want to make a prediction of the game. I, I tend to think that Patriots win this just based on how their defense is playing, momentum. But you know what? The Rams the Rams have made us have surprised us so much this year in some good and some bad ways. And it's hard really to bet against them with them being at home with some of the positive matchups they have in this game. The key, I think, is can they stretch this New England defense front? Can they get away from the pressure? We know their secondary is good. We know the secondary is going to give the Rams problems. So they have to run the football today. They have to really force the issue and and really work out that Patriots defensive line. Can they do it? That's the question. Can the Rams offensive line you know, continue to grow? We've seen some growth in the last couple of weeks. Can they continue to grow and protect Jared Goff and, and open up some holes for this running game? The Rams have to be patient tonight. And they need to get out to an early lead. That's been a bigger problem than anything else. Getting out to an early lead and keeping that lead, not falling apart early and having to adjust at halftime. They have to get an early lead in this game. They have to take control of the possession game. They have to control the way this game goes. If they can do that, they win. And it's going to come down to scheming. So I guess we'll see. We'll find out. Tonight, Johnny and Steve have the game post game, and Mike and I will catch up with you on the other side. So, in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Mike at 1Do23. You can find us as a staff at Talk Rams. And don't forget the RamsTalk.net site. We have some people over there who write some good stuff. We really appreciate your patronage. Okay? Until next time, we're out of here. Peace. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. 
The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.